When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, good evening, good evening, my friends, and welcome to a brand new episode of Terror Radio Podcast, 11 days and counting. As you can see, I'm extremely enthusiastic about this. (laughs) If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories I'm your host Keith aka the radio show nerd and tonight's episode deals with shadows shadows dealing with the supernatural and shadows dealing with insanity or a cracked psyche (laughs) so without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Quiet Please, a favorite of ours at Terror Radio, and Vanishing Point. This is a new one. A quick rundown on both shows. Quiet Please was a drama slash horror anthology series that ran from June 8th, 1947 to June 25th, 1949. It was created by Willis Cooper, who was the genius behind the ever so popular radio series Lights Out Everybody. Actor Ernest Chappell was the announcer as well as the lead actor on several of the radio plays. The radio play tonight is entitled There Are Shadows, and it first broadcasted on May 10th, 1948. Following that, we have Vanishing Point, and this was a Canadian horror slash super, super science fiction series that ran on the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, originally between 1984 to 1986. It did continue until January 3rd, 1992 under various names and various formats. Now, this was a follow-up to the popular Canadian radio series Nightfall, which went off the air in 1983. It was created and produced by William Lane and Canadian actor David Collardorisi, I hope I pronounced that correctly, was the host. The radio play tonight is called Snow Shadow Area. And this was first broadcasted on February 3rd, 1986. And a disclaimer here. The backdrop for this story does deal with crimes against children. Nothing too explicit because I wouldn't play that, but I still like to warn people just in case. I also have a surprise for you all. A bonus 
radio play from the Hall of Fantasy. And it's my favorite radio uh, story, The Shadow People. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to There Are Shadows, followed by Snow Shadow Area, and then The Shadow People. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called There Are Shadows Here. Look at my hands. Trembling like a leaf. And there's nothing I can do to stop it either. Well, if you've been through what I've been through. Last week, last Wednesday, I come into Tim's bar. I sit down on a stool. I say, I'll have a scotch mist, Patty. Oh, hiya, Woody. Scotch mist, Patty. Scotch mist. Hey, there's a lady in here looking for you. Lady? Yeah. What kind of scotch? Uh, got any... Glenn Livet? No. This white horse is that 69. Uh, maybe there's a little left in the hay bottle. Yeah. A lady looking for you. Who was she? I don't know. I never seen her. Tim told me about her. Well, when was she here, Patty? A while ago. Well, what'd she want? I don't know. She was just looking for you. Scotch mist. Well, didn't she say what she wanted? Just wanted you. Is that stuff good? It's all right. Why? I was just wondering. I never tasted it. Don't you ever take a drink, Patty? Me? Oh, I never take a drink. Except ginger beer. You can't get that anymore. That's so? Comes in little stone jugs. Crocs, like... Funny about that woman. Yeah, I sure used to like ginger beer. I uh, think Tim said her name was uh, Esther. Esther? No, any Esther. Esther, Hester, Lester, something like that. Esther, huh? Yeah, Esther, Hester, Lester. I don't know. Well, if she was good-looking... Tim didn't know. What? Tim said he didn't see her face, see? You don't know her, huh? Well, I don't think so. It's funny. Dames. <laughs> you want another of them things? Yeah, I'll have another. 
Oh, sure wish I could get some ginger beer. Used to drink it up in Canada. Marlboro Hotel in Winnipeg. Drink it with a quart. I wonder who it could have been. Who? The woman that was looking for me. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Scotch mist. Yeah, thanks. Esther, huh? Yeah, that's what Tim said. I don't know any Esther. Well, she knows you. Woody, she says. That's your name, in it? Sure. I uh, could give her your phone number. No, no, don't do that. Okay. If she comes in again, tell her to leave her phone number. I could call her up. Yeah. I'll tell Tim. Hey. Yeah? How come Tim didn't see her face, Patty? Oh, it's always dark in here. Always shadows in here. Oh. Shadows set you nuts sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. Good thing I don't drink nothing but ginger beer. Even if I could get it. You drink, and these here shadows set you nuts. Yeah, it is dark in here. Oh, that Tim. Look at them shadows, Woody. Ed, that there one in the corner by the cannibal's head. Don't it look like the cannibal's head is making faces at you? Look now. Yeah. Yeah, it looks funny. Mm, I'm in here all alone. It pretty near sets me nuts. Here, there's one there by the second booth, you see? Looks like a big black cat. You've got a terrific imagination, Patty. There's one on the bar here. Huh? Every time I stoop down to pick up a beer glass, I jump. Looks like a hand reaching out for me. Makes me jump. Well, I'll say it's a good thing you don't drink. <laughs> Nothing but ginger beer. I go nuts. Well, I'm going to get out of here before I go nuts, too. Okay. Uh, $1.30. And a dime for you, Patty. Oh, much obliged. If she comes in again, I'll tell you it was here. Shadows. Every place you go, shadows. say that was? Last Wednesday. The things that can happen in less than a week. Look at my hands. I, I can't stop shaking. Patty and his shadows. I said to myself, I'm not going to Tim's anymore. There's a bar in the hotel where I can drink my scotch mist and not have him mumbling in my ear all the time. I got to thinking about shadows, though, myself. I was sitting in the Italian place waiting for my lasagna and stuff, and Wondering if I should order a bottle of wine. There was a candle on the table. There was a little draft in the room. The flame was jumping up and down. And uh, the shadows on the wall. It doesn't take much imagination to see things in the shadows, does it? Game everybody plays. You want a little bit of advice, though, friend? Don't do it. making shadows on the wall with my hands. A rabbit old man waggling his beard. Owl. Know how you get fascinated with that kind of stuff? The waiter must have thought I was crazy. I know he did when I jumped up and knocked the table over with all the dishes on. Oh, the room, 
Hey, 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 what's the matter with you, mister? You sick? What, what made that shadow? What a shadow. I see you making with the hands from the shadows on the wall. Well, I didn't make that shadow. What a shadow you talk. There was the shadow of a woman there. Oh, you talk a crazy, mister. There wasn't been no woman here for two weeks. Not since Esther got mad and quit. Esther? Who's she? She's a waitress here the last week, and she quit. The pastor saying he's not going to have no woman in this place and never. Especially not that. I ordered the bottle of wine and I drank it. Because I'm telling you, I did see the shadow of a woman's head on the wall next to me. And I'm also telling you, I didn't have anything to do with it. All right, think whatever you want to. I tell you, I saw it. And Esther, too. What do you think of that, my friend? Well, let me go on. I went home. I went to bed. Sure, of course I dreamed about shadows. What did you expect? Well, I, I live in a hotel, as I said, all by myself in a little room on the eighth floor. I didn't think I was going to get to sleep, but I did. I read a while. I left the light on in the bathroom. Didn't go for the dark, you see. I woke up in the middle of the night, thirsty from all that wine I drank. I started to get up and go to the bathroom for a drink of water. As I sat up in bed, see, there was a square of light on the wall opposite my bed from the bathroom light. And right in the middle of that patch of light, there was a shadow. The shadow of a woman just standing there. Not doing anything, just standing there. I was scared. And the darndest thought come into my mind, scared as I was. I didn't get out of bed at first. I just sat there and I said, Esther? And there wasn't any answer. And I tried it again. Esther? Yes? Yeah. Ever feel your hair actually... Stand on end? Well, it does all right. Mine did. And I, I managed to speak again. I said, What do you want, Esther? Will you come with me? And the, the shadow sort of stretched out its arms to me in a gesture that was, was like a little girl. And yet it wasn't. It was... I don't know how to say it. Like, like someone who was in love with me. Someone, someone that I love. Oh, I can't explain it. I got up and threw my robe around me and I walked toward the light. The shadow moved, too. It moved toward the door of the room. The door that leads out into the hall. The shadow's hands touched the doorknob. I looked to see who it was that was casting the shadow. And I tell you, I was alone in that room. Sir, I, I was alone in the room. I turned back to the door just as the shadow seemed to kind of melt into the wood and then seemed to go on through the locked door. And I reached for the door and opened it. The shadow was, was moving down the hall toward the stairway beyond the run of the elevators and there wasn't a soul in the hallway. I tell you, there wasn't. The hall's brightly lighted and all there was was, was this woman's shadow gliding away from me along the wall. 
I, I stood there with my mouth hanging open. Just as the, as the shadow reached the end of the hall, it stopped and put out its arms again. Will you come with me? And I, I, I slammed the door shut, turned all the other lights in my room off, and I stuck my head under the cold shower. I was scared to death. And you know what? There was a smell of perfume in the room. Russia leather. I remember it from a girl I used to know in New York that, that always used it. And believe me, brother, I haven't got any Russia leather perfume in my room. But I smelled it. Plain. Maybe somebody's playing tricks on me, but if you can tell me how to play that one, brother, I'll put in with you. Listen, I was riding down the elevator the next morning with Frankie, the, the wise kid that runs the car. You know what he did? Listen. Hey, Woody. Huh? You stink swell. What? Perfume. I didn't know that about you. What are you talking about? Mm, sure smells expensive. Where'd you get it? You trying to kid me, Frankie? Oh, goodness, no. And I could smell it myself then. Russia leather. Well... in there, and Patty... Well, you know Patty. Yeah, he gets you down mumbling, always mumbling about the shadows. And that's where I first heard about Esther, too. It's a depressing place. So... Scratch your list, Woody? Yeah. I don't see why you drink these things. We had some ginger beer now. Yeah, but you can't get it. Why do you drink these things? I like him. Tim says your girl was in here again today. Who? Uh, this Esther, whatever her name is. She was in, Tim says. When? Today. She asked for you. What did you tell her? I didn't tell her anything. It was Tim seen her. Or uh, rather, he didn't see her. Why didn't he see her? Um, the shadows, you know. Yeah. You didn't see her face to face then? Uh, just kind of like a shadow. I see. What'd she want? Uh, you, he said, she said. Wanted you to go someplace with her. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. You, uh, want another scotch mist? Yeah, I guess so. Patty. Sir? Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Oh. Scotch me. Sure, you work around a place like this as long as I have. You believe in anything. These here shadows. There was a fellow murdered here once when it was a speech. A fellow hit a fellow with a chair. Yeah? Yeah. If you see over there on the end of the back bar, 
That's one leg of the chair. Tim always likes to keep these here souvenirs. I don't care much about them. Yeah, I shouldn't think you would. No, them things is haunted, see? Boy, you ought to be here sometimes late at night when I'm alone. Why? The things that happen. Right. Give me the willies. What things, Patty? Oh, shadows and things. Scare you right out of your year's growth. You know what, for instance? What? These here shadows, Woody. Nothing worse than a shadow. You're telling me. Unless it's not a shadow. What do you mean? Well, there's people that don't have no shadow, see? You know what I think, Patty? What? I think either you or me is crazy. Huh. Or maybe it's both of us. What makes you think so? Talking this way. Yeah? What are you scared of? Who says I'm scared? But your hands trembling for that way. Well, uh, I drink too much. It ain't that kind of trembles, Woody. It is, too. Wait a minute. Huh? Don't look now. What? Right behind you. Take it easy now. There's a shadow on the wall behind you, Woody. Cut it out. There's a shadow of a woman on the wall right behind you, Woody. And there ain't nothing that's making that shadow. A woman? Yeah. A woman looking right at you. Go ahead. Turn around and look. And I, I turned around slowly on my stool. I looked at the wall where Patty was pointing. I looked hard. Yeah, Patty, you're crazy. There's any shadow there? There's two. There is not. I'll go show you. Now, you see? My overcoat here on the bench. Where, where's that perfume all come from? Hello, Frankie. Hiya, Woody. Hard to have the office? Yeah, no, especially. Oh, you just look kind of peeking. Oh, I feel all right. You in love, maybe? What? <laughs> Who was the babe looking for you? Babe, looking for me? Yeah, a little while ago. I don't know any babes, Frankie. What's she look like? Don't kid me, Woody. I'm not, I tell you. Hey, Florence. Hey, Florence. Listen, Frankie. Yeah? Listen, uh, there is a woman that's been looking for me. I don't know who she is. You in the jam? I... Yes. Well, I didn't see her, Woody, honest. I was just closing the door. It's around the 12th to pick up the old guy with the teeth, you know. And I saw her just a second. She asked to you, and the old guy was punching the buzzer. You know how he does. And all I saw was a kind of a shadow, see? A shadow? Yeah, a kind of, you know. Hey! What? That perfume I was kidding you about this morning. Well? She had some of it on, too. Does that make you think of anybody? Yes, Frankie. Yes, it does make me think of somebody. Much obliged, Frankie. Huh? Who is it? Me, Patty. Is that you, Woody? 
I come to visit you. Well, come in. Hey, has she been here, Woody? Who? You know who I mean, this Esther, who, whoever she is. She was here. You see her? No. Good. Patty, what is this? It's ascending. A what? Ascending, like they used to have in the old country. My grandpa used to tell me about it. I don't know what you're talking about. She's after you. She's come to get you. Now listen, did she ask you to come with her? Yes, she did. Last night. Oh, man. How do you... How do you know so much about all this, Patty? I know a lot of things you ain't got any idea I know. My grandpa was born with a call. What? A call. A thing on his head. Look, I know what I'm talking about, Woody. I'm going to make her go away. Now, Patty, listen. No, you listen. I know what I'm talking about. Is she a, a, a real woman? She is a shadow. Patty, if you're playing a dirty trick Woody, on me... I was never more serious in my life. Well, what are we going to do? You watch, and you do just like I say. Well, uh, turn off the lights. Patty, uh, Turn off the lights. Uh, well, uh, go on. And I turn off the lights in the room, feeling like another idiot. Patty and I sat down in the darkness to wait. And we waited. And waited. And at last I heard a noise. A faint, strange, uncanny noise. I whispered... Patty. There was no other sound. And it was fully five minutes before I realized that the sound that had set my hair stand on end again was Patty snoring. And so I got up and turned the lights on again and kicked Patty out and went to bed. Well, maybe I dreamed it, maybe I didn't. But somewhere in the darkness I heard the sound of someone stirring in my room. And the voice. Woody. Woody. Come with me. And I awoke. And the scent of her perfume was heavy in the room. That would be last Thursday, wouldn't it? Well, the next night I came straight home and Patty was in my room waiting. I tell you, Woody, you're in danger. And so we sat late again, Patty with a curious collection of books and implements that he said would get rid of the sending for once and all. But there was no sending. Patty stayed all night with me and we heard no sound, saw no shadows, smelled no perfume. But there was dust on the shelf of my bathroom. And when morning came, Patty showed me something scrawled in the dust by a finger. A woman's finger, if I'm any judge. It was just one word. A name. Esther. Maybe Patty did that himself, maybe not. I didn't know what he was up to. I can't get away from the fact that there is someone named Esther who wants to see me, whose shadow I have seen, whose voice I have heard. Someone who leaves the scent of Russia leather behind her, who scrawls her name in the dust. In the dust. That's curious, isn't it? Dust.
Saturday night and Sunday night. Now Patty and I sit again in the dark waiting. This time I know something's going to happen. Patty says you send her back where she came from. Send her back alone. It can be done, Woody. All you have to know is the secrets like my grandpa knew. And they've got all this stuff right here. Only thing is, maybe she knows. And she won't come whilst I'm here. Yeah, we see, Patty, but I'm telling you something that better happen. Yeah, but at the end of my string. If she comes, she'll go, Woody. I hope so. Yes, sir. Shadows is terrible things. And the only other thing that's worse is for a man not to have a shadow. Well, how could that be? How could there be a shadow without anything for it to be a shadow of? Yes. Be quiet. It's late. It's past midnight, I think, and I'm so sleepy I can hardly keep my eyes open. Patty. Are you awake? Yeah. And the little light from the bathroom casts its square of light on the green wall alongside the dresser. And I can just barely hear the traffic in the street below, a night owl taxi, somebody yelling a goodbye at a belated friend, and... Be still, Woody. What? Looky, the wall. And I look at the wall, and there is a shadow in the square of light on the green wall alongside the dresser. And there is a tang of rush of leather in the air, and the shadow... Stretches out its arms to me. And I, I find myself getting up from my chair. And the shadowy arms are about to take me. And I hear Patty muttering something, and he seems so far away. And the arms are still reaching for me. Suddenly there's Patty's voice again, loud and real in the room. Turn on the lights! Of course I'll turn the lights on, Patty. And I do turn on the lights, and, and it's just a room again. And the shadow is still there. The arms are still reaching out for me, and the shadow, the shadow starts towards the door. And suddenly, Patty screams again. Woody, your shadow's gone. the other shadow, Esther's shadow, to the door, and I open the door, and I follow the shadow out into the hall and, and down the hall. Yeah, it seems so odd to be walking along in the light, and there's no shadow for me. And the elevator door is open, and I walk in, and the shadow glides in ahead of me, and there's a woman standing there at the back of the elevator. The shadow just seems to melt into her figure. And I look at her, and I say... Esther? She looks she looks back at me as if she never saw me in her whole life. The elevator jerks suddenly. It starts to plunge faster and faster down the shaft. She turns horrified eyes to me and she screams. And I know the sending is completed. And Esther and I are done with shadows. Forever.
pleased for tonight was called There Are Shadows Here. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Alan Sparrow was Esther. Patty was played by Ed Latimer. The writer was Sid Cassell. Frank Thomas was Frankie. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now, words from our good friend, Phil Cooper. Nobody living or dead was even hinted at in tonight's Quiet Please story. I thought up the characters and the story without any outside stimulus at all. Next week's Quiet Please will be called Gem of Purest Ray. at the same time. I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Quiet, please, comes to you from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. February 7. The first of the mutilations occurred in our district a month ago. January 4th was the exact date, I believe. The victim was a child who lives just at the end of the street, a few houses distant. We call her Android because her name is Andrea and she often carries a ray gun. I must say, I don't particularly like the child. She manages to cause trouble at every opportunity, yet seems to escape blame. I've seen her throw a half-eaten apple to the ground and then allow another child to take the blame for the litter. From my window, I've seen this. So when we heard her screams coming across the lots that evening, we thought she was being punished for some misdemeanor. But the next morning, of course, we learned this wasn't the case. They say she was attacked by a man while playing in the snow. Since it's dark by five o'clock these days, I don't know why her mother allowed her to be on the street. The police tried all the houses in the vicinity seeking witnesses. They came here, but of course we'd seen nothing. Entry 2, February 10, 
the snow is the worst I've experienced. All motion is just about prohibited. The streets are impossible. Many vehicles have been buried or abandoned. The authorities were simply unprepared for all this. How many snow machines do they have? Two, perhaps three. The plow seldom makes it this far. Although sometimes I see it up on the hill. The orange light flashing in the darkness. Today the temperature hasn't risen above freezing and I fear the plumbing will go at any time. Two or three of the trees in the orchard out back have been split by the ice. Mind you, the trees do look beautiful in the sunlight. Strings of icicles hang from every branch, some more than a meter long. So the whole orchard shines and sparkles like a fairyland. My son is fascinated by it all. He spends most of his day with his mouth on the glass, watching the world in snow. What else can he do? He's too young to go out and play. I saw three policemen travel the street by foot. A weary task it must have been for them, too. The snow was falling heavily. They wore heavy parkas with large, furry hoods. It was impossible to see their faces. They carried spotlights. One had a rifle. They still have no clue as to who is responsible. Some say that a madman is on the loose. No, come on. But how could that be? None of the victims have described such a man. Of course, they're only children. What? Hi. Go out last night. I thought you were asleep. I was. Where'd you go? Around the corner. I felt like a beer. The community center? Mm Hmm. Many people there? No. Music? One fellow played the piano, but it was pretty dead. I hope you remembered to lock the doors. Don't worry. Well, I do. Oh, I wish we could get out. You know, as a, as a family. I have to wait until the snow goes. Hmm. Some say that a madman is on the loose. But how could that be? None of the victims have described such a man. Of course, there's panic. Parents have demanded that the schools be shut down, that soldiers should patrol the district day and night. Well, it's coming to that. Snow and ice melt one day only to return the next worse than ever. So the schools are closed half the time anyway. food. We all have food. Things aren't that bad. 
Entry 4, February 14. I'm not the only one who sits looking into the night. You see few people on the streets these days. They spend most of their time at the window, watching the snow, waiting for news. Fear is everywhere. The mutilations have spread and there's hardly a family who has escaped so far. Children have been attacked in their beds, so it seems you don't have to go outside. The molester moves as silently and as easily as a virus. It's incredible that no clues as to the identity of the attacker have been found. If disease has a motive, then that motive must be our motive. Entry 6, February 17. My wife's a beautiful woman. I remember when I first met her. She was coming down the lane. I was at the bottom. I had a caterpillar on the back of my hand. I watched her approach, thinking, there is the most beautiful girl I have ever seen. Which I know sounds silly because she wasn't any more than 14 at the time. And it was a summer afternoon. But she was beautiful. When she was about to pass, I held out my hand, saying as I did, Do you want a caterpillar? She didn't answer, but peered very seriously at it. Then she held up the back of her hand, allowing it to cross our fingers. Six years later, we were married. I don't recall what happened to the caterpillar. I see her now. She's wearing an old coat she found in her mother's chest. She's embroidered a rainbow and stitched it beneath the pocket. She wouldn't be wearing the coat if it was warmer. It hasn't been easy for her these past few weeks. She watches our son constantly. He's on the kitchen floor playing with his digging machine. He wants to go outside, but of course it's impossible. Look at him. His brow is like his mother's. The resemblance is all hers. He's not as aggressive as he used to be. The long confinement has made... What are you taping? Uh, a story. Oh, I thought maybe you were keeping a diary. No. No more of that. I know it makes you jealous. I don't do that. <laughs> so you're dictating a story? Uh-huh. On cassette? Mm. You've never done that before. A new approach. I mean anything to break that block. Is it working? We'll see. Entry 7, February 20. Soldiers have arrived. 
Although you never see them, only their machines. A tank-like contraption has been assigned to our street, and we hear it groaning past a couple of times now. It cuts through the snow with ease. Although it damaged some cars which were buried further up. And there was some shooting last night. Yet nothing was reported on the radio. Listen. A woman tried to kill herself last night. She lives across the street. And was once extremely rude to my son. He was carrying her kitten home with him, not knowing any better. However, she has agonies of her own now. Two of her children were mutilated, one of them terrifyingly so. His mouth was sewn shut with wire as he slept, and, hotter still, healed in a most peculiar way. That is, the lips grew together, sealing his mouth. So now he has to be fed intravenously. I think she put her head in the oven. I know they have a gas line. Food is getting scarcer. Though things aren't serious. Communication is the main problem. My dinner is on the floor now. Near the door. Look at it. Beans. They have tins, but no bread. yourself? It's nothing. How could you do that? It's nothing, I said. I'm sorry. You don't look well. Those rings around your eyes? You mean bags. I haven't been sleeping. I know. If we could just get out. Uh, we're low on food. How low? Low. How's your story going? I'm not sure. What's it about? These days, we are us for fantastic fiction. I can hear you talking sometimes. Hmm? But just a ramble. It makes me think I'm married to a madman. Huh. And they'll all be mad if this weather doesn't improve soon. Both his hands 
Who is this guy, Jack the Ripper? We don't know. I spoke to him. The wife for me that started that sending in these tapes. I want to go sleep. You uh, don't know who she is? In this type of case, they What never say. Could I do? He well, shouldn't have I'll been tell there. You. The attorney general I, wants some answers. Blood on my mittens. This is all we got. Shouldn't have been there either. I mean, that last bit sounded like a confession. Play it again. Poked to him, but all he said back was, I want to go sleep. What could I do? He shouldn't have been there. And I, with blood on my mittens, shouldn't have been there either. Well... Maybe. Sounds like a sadist. Yeah. But maybe it's all fantasy. Although he's got some very good inside info. Well, security hasn't been all that tight. No? Look, you just can't keep the lid on situations like this. I talked with Dr. Ling. Now, he listens to the tapes. He thinks the man is definitely messianic. But that doesn't mean he's the one we're looking for. <laughs> God, this weather pisses me off. I hate snow. Take the day off and go skiing. Me? I don't ski. I've just been hunting. Get anything? No. What happened to your throat? Um, an accident. Yeah? I've got to make some phone calls. Check some of these details. Mm-hmm. the newscast this morning? There was a newscast? Mm. All I ever hear is that funereal music. Some children were found with teeth marks on their faces. Jesus. Could be a dog. Dog? Don't think about it. It's never anyone over 13. Well, don't think about it. I think I'll do some sewing. What have you been doing? Not much. Weren't you fooling around with a telescope? I was. See anything? Not much. Stars. Lots of stars. If only I had more magnification. behind it all. Oh, oh which is garbage. I mean, we can forget about that possibility. Colonel Angst is a good friend of mine. Shooting, but what's it all about? Who are they shooting at? The snow. <laughs> they have a helicopter patrolling the district at night. It carries a searchlight in its belly, and you can see its powerful blue ray moving back and forward over the hill. If we leave our curtains undone, a ray sometimes 
penetrates the room, filling it with its brilliant, unearthly light. It's madness. We have a name for this model. Yeah. The Blue Ghost. Mm-hmm. Only the military are happy these days. There it is again. It makes me think. Well, I don't know. Entry 12, March 5. How long can you sit looking through a window, not doing anything? All industry is at a standstill. Our community is in quarantine. Last night I had to get out. It wasn't snowing, so I thought I would step out into the yard and get some fresh air, no matter how cold it was. I did, and immediately sank up to the waist in snow. It felt good, though. I struggled away from the back porch as far as the first apple trees. They look spectacular. The icicles becoming crystals in the light from the street. So I felt I had to progress further into this fairyland, as my son calls it. I looked up and saw the blue ghost swooping over the rooftops towards the trees. It didn't occur to me that I'd violated the law by being in my own yard. I watched in fascination the beautiful prismatic effect of the blue ray as it shone through the icicles. Believe me, it was incredible. The shooting was not. A machine gun, a cannon. The helicopter wheeled backwards and forwards over the trees like a dragon, and its fire shattered the ice. The downdraft from the rotor caused the snow to whirl up. It was so cold it burned my face. But if it hadn't been for the storm caused by all this, I don't think I would have escaped. We expected them to land and investigate the house. But they didn't. Entry 13. I don't know what day it is. Don't even know the date. We had a visit from a clergyman this afternoon. Said he was from a church in the district. I forget what sect. The authorities, he said, had given him permission to visit people in the district and give them consolation or whatever. Since he was the only visitor we'd had in two months, we admitted we needed consolation. Odd fellow. Carried a machine pistol. Said he had a permit. You know the times in which we live, he said. He was very interested in our little boy and remarked that he was the only child he'd seen all day. All others were in hospital. We conceded our good fortune. Our son growled at the clergyman, doing his... Mr. Lion routine. And we got embarrassed since he wouldn't stop it. It was strange to see him so aggressive again, especially in such venerable company. After a short prayer, the clergyman took some red dye and sprinkled it on the crossbeam above the door. He said blood was the real sacrament, but as non-believers, he couldn't expect us. What? I saw Android's mother this morning. She said the hospital is packed. They can't take any more children. 
They've moved out a lot of terminal patients and older people, but there just isn't enough room. Our neighbors resent us. If you mean that bitch across the street. No, no, no. More than her. Our son hasn't been stricken, so... So they wonder why. Do you? Entry 15. The radio says the thaw is starting. Perhaps it is. As a raver. I can see the snow on the trees, and some of it is dripping. That's not true. I love it. No mutilations have been reported for five days. Sling have any theories on that? Well, I'll have to ask him. There are no children left to mutilate. The authorities interpret this as the beginning of the end. So, what now? I guess we wait. Our plumbing hasn't failed. I'm surprised. drug. Otherwise, I couldn't repeat this. The thaw is occurring. I can see patches of pavement. The drains are full of running water. I was looking at the hill through my telescope, watching for tanks, whatever military stuff. When there was this, it rattled all the windows. I, uh, I don't know what it was. Perhaps a tank fired its cannon. I continued scanning the face of the hill. Most of the streets were running with water. For the first time in months, the houses were recognizable. saw what I thought was an insulation and focused. I saw a telephone pole. I saw a child hanging among the wires. What do you expect me to do? All right, this last tape. This is the last one you did? That I can find. Mm-hmm. Well, did you check the hospitals? Yeah, none of the kids got that sort of wound. Stigmata. They call it stigmata. Stigmata? You know what I think? 
I think these tapes are fiction. Well, mutilations aren't. Well, I know it. Well, at least they've stopped. For now. I talked with Ling. Yeah? I mean, we need ideas. So what do you have to say? Well, he feels that the criminal will turn upon himself. What? No, that's right. Self-mutilation. Now, the inevitable progression of the messianic personality as the disorder becomes more chronic. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that could make me a suspect. Sure. Uh, relax. What now? We wait. There's nothing we can do. Not much. Unless you can stop the snow. Mm. Okay. Let's hear that last bit again. All right. Here we go. Okay, here he goes. Entry hmm. 21. Now listen. The sun is burning through the snow. The snow is falling steadily. Yet the sun is strong enough to cast light on the floor. A rectangle with bars. I can hear her singing above the noise of the vacuum. Waiting there still, a mutilator of flesh or only of the imagination. He will reveal himself, or the snow will retreat far enough to reveal the infinitely small place he has carved out of the winter, the vanishing point. Snow Shadow Area by Lawrence Russell. Starring Stephen Bush as the man. Robin Craig was heard as the wife and Chance Drury as the son. With Geza Kovacs and Bob Naismith as the detective and the prosecutor. Casting consultant was Catherine Kester. Recording engineer was Brian Pape with sound effects by Jean Sarrazin. And the production assistant was Peggy Esty. Original music was composed and performed by Timothy Clark. The series script editor is Sandra Rabinovich. The series musical theme is by John Rovey, and the voice of Vanishing Point is David Calderisi. Snow Shadow Area was produced and directed at Studio G in Toronto by series executive producer William Lane. Until next week, I'm Chris Henry, wishing you... And now...
we shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of the Shadow People. Elaine, have you been... I mean, have you seen anything else since you spoke to me last? No, I haven't. Ever since Mother died, nothing's happened. Well, I only hope... It came from upstairs. Come on. I don't know what to think. I only hope that... Damn it, if anything's happened to him. We'll see in a moment. There's no light in this room. You wait here, Elaine. Where's the light? Over to your left. David. What's wrong? Why didn't you leave the light on? Your father's dead, Elaine. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Shadow People. And now for our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Shadow People. Somewhere along the line of your life, you've met them. You have come in contact with The Shadow People. When did we first discuss it? Oh, yes, Brian and Elaine and I. It was in my apartment. There was only one light on in the entire place. Oh! What's wrong? Oh! Elaine, what's the matter? Oh, it, it, it's silly, I know, but I, I I thought I saw something in that doorway over there. Where? Over there, right over there. Where are you going, David? Over to that archway, just to let you know that nothing's here. Huh. You see, Elaine, nothing's wrong, nothing at all. Are you satisfied that there's no one else here but us? Yes, I... Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought that I... Leave your red lights on. I'm sorry. I thought that... Put them back on, David, please. All right, Elaine. Look, what's bothering you, sis? I don't know. It's just that... I don't know. Tell us about it, Elaine. Tell us what's bothering you. You promise that you... You won't laugh at me? Of course not. Brian? Oh, Elaine, I'm your brother. If something's troubling you, I'd like to know about it. All right, then. The reason I was so upset was the fact that I saw someone or something standing in that archway. But Elaine, David showed you that there was no one else in here. When the lights were put on, you saw for yourself that we were alone. I'm not talking about something you you can see in the light, Brian. I'm not talking about a human being. And what's it all about, Elaine? In the darkness, I, I saw something that can't be seen in a lighted area. And I've seen it several times before. You're sure you're not imagining this, Elaine? Oh, I don't have that good an imagination, Brian. How long have you... have you seen this thing, Elaine? Well, it... it started about six weeks ago. You were in Detroit on business, Brian. Mom and Dad were on vacation. I was in the house by myself. In the library. There was only one light on. I sat in the chair beneath it, reading. Several times I thought that something was watching me. I felt there was someone in the room with me, standing right in back of me. Every so often, I'd glance back over my shoulder, but there seemed to be nothing there. And then, then I thought I heard someone whispering. I wasn't sure, but when I heard it again, I got up and I, I, I looked all over the house. Oh, I'm not easily frightened, you know that, but, but out in the hallway... 
It was almost entirely black. Luckily, I was near a light switch. I looked back over my shoulder, and, and I saw this huge, hulking shape for the first time. And I heard a voice. Or rather, the whisper of a voice. I couldn't distinguish the words, but that dark shape seemed to be moving towards me. My hand was on the light switch, and I turned it on. In a minute, the light flooded the hallway. The shape was gone. There was nothing there. I was alone again. As long as there's light, I know it can't hurt me. I know it can't reach me. You might have imagined it, you know. Of course, that's possible, but I'm sure I didn't. It was so real. So real, that shape in the darkness. It was the very essence of evil itself. There was an old man I knew of, a Dr. Hesedius. I'd heard that he knew quite a good deal about the supposed supernatural manifestations which had taken place in the world. I went to him to see if he knew anything that might explain the events of the story Elaine had told us. Yes, my good sir. What do you wish? I have an appointment with Dr. Hesedius. Oh, yes, yes. He mentioned something about it. You are Mr. Drake. Yes. If you'll come inside. Thank you. Dr. Hesedius is in the study. Please come with me. Doctor, a visitor for you. Oh, yes. Bring him in. You may go now. Yes, Doctor. Mr. Drake? Yes. Sit down, please, in that chair over there. Thank you, sir. Now, what is the nature of your visit to me? Well, I understand, Dr. Vesedius, that you have a great knowledge of the supernatural manifestations which have occurred on the earth. Great knowledge, Mr. Drake? No, hardly that. I have only scratched the surface in my years of study. Perhaps I can help you, then again, perhaps I cannot. Well, may I tell you a story? By all means, my good sir. All right. Now, this didn't happen to me, Doctor, but to my fiancée. It seems that about six weeks ago, when she was alone... But when the light was on, the dark form disappeared. And that's the story, sir. As much of it as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I see. It's a strange tale to tell. I'm fully aware of that, Dr. Vesilius. You say she seemed to hear whispered voices? Yes, that's what she says. I see. A moment, please. I have a book in my file. Oh, yes. Here it is. This is the one. Yes. Perhaps I may be able to help you after all. Let me see this is a very ancient book, Mr. Drake. I seem to remember... Yes. Here is an account of a happening such as you relate. And we shall live on the earth... And they shall not see us. Yes, yes it has been foretold by the ruler of the darkness. They who live by day, retire to sleep by night, shall never know that we walk with them, that we watch them... That we wait for our chance. Only in the night will they see us. For in the daylight we are not seen. Only in the night. When the darkness grows together. And the forms of the shadow people are shaped from the blackness. 
They will know us. They will know that we are their companions, for we are the shadow people. I knew I had read something similar to the story you have told me, Mr. Drake. Dr. Asilius, what can we do? Well, give me a little time. Let me see if I can find any more references to these uh, people of the darkness. One more thing, Mr. Drake. Yes. Be sure that your fiancé is never left alone at night. Be sure that there is some living thing, animal or human, which accompanies her every second of the night. For she is in danger, Mr. Drake. A terrible danger. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Shadow People. That night, the night of the day I had seen Cecilius, Elaine's mother died. She died in her sleep. When she failed to appear for breakfast, Elaine's father went upstairs to see what was wrong. When he entered her room, he discovered that she was dead. The family doctor couldn't explain it, for Elaine's mother had been in perfect health. A few weeks later, I was out of the house spending a weekend with them. I glanced at the clock on the mantel, and it showed eleven. I can't understand why Brian hasn't returned from town. Well, he said he had some extra work to catch up on. He told me this morning that he might be late. Well, 11 o'clock. I'm going upstairs. Glad you came out, David. It's good seeing you again. It's a pleasure to be here, sir. Well, don't stay up too late. See you both in the morning. All right. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mr. Davis. He isn't the same, David. Ever since Mother died, he hasn't been the same. I didn't realize it until tonight. It's changed. I only hope that he'll start living again. Ever since she died, it, it seems that a part of him died with her. Elaine, have you been... I mean, have you seen anything else since you spoke to me last? No, I haven't. Ever since Mother died, nothing's happened. Well, I only hope... <laughs> Came from upstairs. Come on. You don't think... I don't know what to think. I only hope... That... David. David, if anything's happened to him... We'll see you in a moment. There's no light in this room. You wait here, Elaine. Where's the light? Over to your left. David, what's wrong? Why didn't you leave the light on? Your father's dead, Elaine. <laughs> I'd walked into the darkened bedroom. On the bed was Elaine's father. It didn't take a second look for me to know that he was dead. I switched off the light and walked back into the hallway to tell Elaine what happened. And then from the room there had come an eerie, quiet laughter. In the darkness of that room was some unknown evil power. The voice itself was unearthly. There was no substance to it. It sounded as if as if it came from the darkness itself. No. No, I don't believe you. It's the truth, Elaine. There's nothing more I can do. We'll have to notify the police. Tell me it's not the truth, David. Tell me it's not true. I'm sorry, Elaine. I wish I could. Your father's dead. (laughs) 
After the burial, Dr. Heselius got in touch with me. He said that he wanted to meet both Elaine and Ryan, that he wanted to talk to the three of us. Accordingly, a few nights later, he came out to their house. Davis, will you tell me just when you saw the first manifestation? The night Brian was in Detroit. Now, Miss Davis, you have even seen this apparition in the company of other people, is that correct? Yes. The night at David's apartment. All right. Now I'll tell you what I think. You are in deadly danger, Miss Davis. These beings want to claim you. So far, they have had no success. Only in the darkness do they have power. Little by little, step by step, they have been removing the obstacles in their way to reaching you. First your mother, and then your father, Miss Davis. Both died in the same fashion. In the darkness, death struck at them. Now tell me, do you feel their presence here in this room as I talk to you? Yes. Turn out the lights, Brian. <laughs> Stand by the switch, if you please, Brian. If anything happens, turn the lights back on. All right. Dr. Vesilius, I don't... Do you want me to continue working with you? Yes, sir. All right, then. Brian, turn off the lights. Yes, Doctor. The room now is in darkness, Miss Davis. Do you feel or see anything? No, I... Yes. Yes, I do. Do you see anything? Yes. Doctor, I don't... Be quiet, you fool. I know what I'm doing. In front of me. The darkness gathering together into a huge, terrible... Not only do you see us, Miss Davis, but everyone else in the room also will see the vague shapes forming themselves in the blackness. We do not want you, Dr. Hesilius. The girl we want. We advise you to drop this case. You'll only bring down the wrath of the shadow people upon your head. The girl... We want the girl to not stop us. Let us take her now. Turn on the light. They're gone. Miss Davis, are you all right? Yes. Yes, I am. Just as she said. The darkness. I, I saw it form into something, too. So did I. What are we going to do, Dr. Hesilius? At the present moment, I don't know. But it's much I do know. You must leave this house immediately. You must try to get out of their reach. I don't know if that is possible. I hope it is. I shall have to return to my home. I must learn if there is some manner by which we can defeat these creatures. For the moment, leave this house. Dispose of it in any manner you may see fit, but leave this house. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne, entitled The Shadow People. spent the night in my apartment, the three of us. The following day, Brian and Elaine made arrangements to dispose of the house. In the afternoon, Dr. Hesilius called me and asked that I come to see him. David, I'm glad you're here. Anything new, Doctor? Yes and no. You realize, of course, that this spiritual manifestation is not new, that it has gone on for centuries. No, I wasn't aware of that. It's true, David. De Maupassant wrote uh, what was supposedly a fiction story about the manifestation, David. He called it... Uh, However, according to the information here on my desk, it was taken from an actual case history. Of course, he embroidered the story 
added a few touches to something he didn't realize actually existed. But have you found anything with which we can fight them? Everything depends upon an answer I received from a colleague of mine in Paris, Dr. Henri Renault. I dispatched a telegram to him last night. Why hasn't he answered by now? There are certain things that must be done. It will take a few days, I'm afraid. We have to wait, David. There's nothing else we can do. In the next few days, the house was sold, and Brian and Elaine moved into a newer, more modern home a few miles from my apartment. Cecilia said it might take a few days for them to build up their power. I spent the night at the new house. The lights were left on, and I watched for any unusual occurrence. In the daytime, I'd return to my apartment and get some sleep. About four days after Elaine and Brian moved into the new house, I was at home when Hesedius phoned me. Hello? David? Yes, Dr. Hesedius? I hate to tell you this, David. What's the matter? What's wrong? They were a step ahead of me, David. I just received word that Renault died or was killed. At the very moment I sent the telegram to him. Step by step, they had outwitted us. For they had anticipated every move we'd make. Even Dr. Hesedius was at a loss as to what to do. He agreed to meet me at the Davis house. What did you want to see us about, Dr. Hesedius? Did you find out anything more? I'm sorry to say that I haven't. At the moment, I'm at a complete loss. I don't know what to do. But what did you want to see us about this evening? Merely to check, to see if anything else has happened. Miss Davis, have you seen or heard anything? Not in the house. Only in my dreams. Your dreams? Yes. When I go to sleep at night, in my dreams, in the darkness, I see them. And it's grown worse, much worse. I was hoping that it would not have progressed so far. There has been no disturbance in this house, but now they disturb your sleep, Miss Davis. Now... You must stay awake for as long as you can. I want the three of you to move into my house. Perhaps that will give you more protection. That night, we moved over to Vesuvius' house. Perhaps Elaine would have more protection there. From there, we might be able to devise some plan of action, some way to beat those beings. For a few days, things were quiet. The shadow people seemed to have withdrawn. For a while, I thought that we might have succeeded in thwarting their purpose. Elaine no longer complained of troubled sleep. But that condition lasted for a few days only. About ten days later, they made themselves known and felt again. That night, we were in the study. And suddenly, Hesedius whirled around and... Elaine, what are you looking at? Outside the house. Right where the light waves off, I see them. She's right, Dr. Hesedius. I can see them, too. What should we do, Doctor? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? There's nothing we can do. We can't just... We can't do anything, Brian. Don't you understand that they have us at their mercy? The greatest man in my field was Henri Renault. If he could do nothing against them, what do you think we can do? He's right, Brian. There's nothing we can do. As long as the house remains lighted... Just so long will they remain outside. If the lights were... That sounds... My father was killed. The same sound. We heard the same sound. The lights. What's happened to the lights? Be quiet, please. I thought... 
thought of this emergency. A candle. That's right, Miss Davis. As long as this burns, this one candle will be safe. For they cannot advance into the light. They are limited by the darkness. As long as the candle burns, they will have to remain outside of this room. outside, we are around you. This time you shall not escape. This time we will blame you. Take it easy, Brian. I can't stand it. Take it out of here. Brian, come back. Don't be a fool. I'm going after him. Stay here. We just can't let him go. We don't have a chance. I doubt it. Miss Davis, I'm afraid that your brother is dead. (laughs) The wind, Doctor. Listen to the wind. I know. Yes, Doctor. Listen to the wind. You must realize by now that the three of you haven't a chance. You must know in your minds that we can destroy you at any moment we desire. But, Dr. Hesselius, you may still save your own life. Let the others go. Give them to us. No. No, you will have to take all of us. Shall we destroy your light? Shall we move in on you now? (laughs) As you will. Do as you will. Sorry, David. Candle is out. In the darkness. portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental.
Well, that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. And I also have a YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe. Like the videos. Highly appreciate it. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, 11 Days and Counting, (laughs) signing off.